Oh, I'm sure there's a lot of funny stories. Uh, it's just the way things go when you have a sibling. Uh, I'll get into that, my own personal relationship, and I should say struggle with my sibling um, growing up. I'll get into that in a little bit. But before we get into the word, last time I spoke, I talked about Harry Potter, and I said it was trash. I stand by it. Some of you guys were offended. I don't care. But I want to talk to you guys about something different as we start off. How many of you guys play video games? If you do, raise your hand. I still play video games. I'm almost 40. I love, absolutely love video games. Um, really quickly, shout out your, the earliest gaming console that you ever had. If you say iPhone 10, gosh, you're really, really young. So anyone, any console, PlayStation 1, anybody here? PlayStation, Xbox, the first Xbox? First Xbox, okay, I have one of those. You had one of those? Anyone before the first Xbox? Dreamcast! Oh, snap, we're going way back. I have one of those too. Um, anyone else before Dreamcast? Original Nintendo. Okay, so I think, I think, I'm pretty sure that growing up we had an Atari, but I was really young. I don't remember too much about it. I do remember having the original Nintendo, and I actually do have the Nintendo Classic, which is super cool because whenever you need to, at any point in the game when things get rough or you feel like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make that jump with Mario, you can save it, and then you can just start right off at, at that point if you go ahead and die, which if you were me, you probably did do a whole lot of that. For those of you guys that play games on your phones, it's so simple because whenever you got to go somewhere, you can just grab your phone, you can take the game with you, literally... About a year ago, I was playing Call of Duty, which is a first-person shooter game. While I was in the car, I wasn't driving. I wouldn't try to do that. I wasn't driving, and man, it just gave me a headache, the feeling of moving, but then at the same time, being immersed in a first-person shooting game. Uh, it was pretty intense, and it gave me a headache. I remember when I was playing my Nintendo, you had those cartridges, which some of you guys probably don't even know what that is, but basically it was the way that you could play the game. You had to have a cartridge, and there was a little thing in there, and sometimes it would get dusty, and so you'd have to, you'd have to blow and get the dust out. The frustrating part for me playing those games, because I wasn't always very good. In fact, most games I probably, I would say I'm not very good. I wasn't very good at. The frustrating part was back in the day, like way back in the day, you didn't always have a save feature. So either you beat the level and then great, you finish it, or you got stuck and then you had to start over from the very beginning of the level. The worst part was when I'd be in the middle of the game and my mom was like, no, we're going to the grocery store. And what we would do, because if you turn it off, that's it. Everything, whatever progress you made, you lost. And so what we would do, <laughs> probably ran the electric bill up, we would leave the console on and then come back three, four, eight hours later, I don't know, and hopefully it would still be at that spot, okay? But the point of every video game is to get to that next level. And as someone who is competitive, um, not as competitive as I was before, but still kind of competitive, I was always trying, I'm always, even now, I'm always trying to get to that next level. Some of you guys would say, well, what does that mean as a Christian? What does it mean to get to that next level? You come to youth group, you go to church, you, know, you read the Bible, you do your devos, you go to small groups, you talk to people. And I think for a lot of us, something that Jesus talked about quite a bit, that the Bible talks about quite a bit, that I feel for a lot of us is the next level, is loving well, specifically loving our enemies or loving those who wish to cause us harm. And that's where 
I introduce to you my brother. Because growing up, my brother, who's two years older than me, was probably just as much an enemy of mine as he was a friend. In fact, I've got a photo of my brother and I from way, way, way back in the day. Um, the bottom, okay, so let me break this down for you. The bottom part of the picture there, those two kids, those are my kids, my oldest two, Kayla on the right, Jack on the left. And you see how nice they are? They're playing with each other. They're happy. They're excited. Jack's looking at Kayla. He's like, man, I just, I just want to be like you one day, sister. You know, you're so awesome. You're, you take care of me really well. And then the top picture is my brother not so lovingly putting his arms around my neck and me clearly in distress. Clearly I'm not happy. And, and there's a couple things about this photo that... As, as I've grown up with this, I've seen it over and over again. Uh, I think my mom has it somewhere in, in her house for some reason she likes this photo. There's a couple things that, I, that really disturb me. One is the calm look in his eyes as he's causing me pain. Like, he's just so cool about it, right? Just, he's like staring off into the distance. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, slowly but surely I'm going to get this thing done. And, and, and I call it reticent joy or reserved joy because he doesn't have a smile in, you know, on his mouth there, but his eyes tell me that he's really happy about what's happening. Uh, the, the other part that really disturbs me is not something that's in the photo. It's more of the person who's behind the camera. Why are they taking this photo? Why are they not stopping? This, this, this is child abuse, right? And, and I'm, guessing, I'm guessing it was my mom. And back in those days, you didn't have, like, right now you've got an iPhone, you've got an Android phone. If you had an Android phone, you'd cause green bubbles in your group chats. That's a whole other thing. Don't do that. Uh, okay, so if you've got an iPhone, cool, we're, we're cool, we're good. <laughs> now, back in those days, you had a disposable camera, which had film, which, uh, okay, I'm not going to break off. You guys can Google it, wiki it. Believe me, it's true. It exists, or it existed. And you only had a certain amount of photos that you could take. And I guess my mom was just waiting for that perfect photo. I don't know if this was it for her, but, but for me, if, if you ever wonder why I'm scarred deep on the inside, it's because of stuff like that, because of what my brother and then, of course, my mom uh, did to me and then uh, probably still do to me to this day. But my brother growing up, he was always stronger. He was always bigger than me. And I could never, we, we would wrestle a lot. We would get into fights and he would always, always just completely thrash me. I remember... One time, we were at church, no less. Of course, of all places, we were at church after a service. And somehow he got me on the ground. And he literally stepped on my back to the point my mom thought. My mom's a nurse. And so she's freaking out because she thought that my back was fractured. And that's something that would happen when someone who's a lot bigger than you steps on your back. You don't really want that to happen. So hopefully you never find yourself in that situation like I did. And so I could never beat him up, right? As much as I would try, he, was just, he would just overpower me. I could do little things to annoy me. For instance, he was a really good student, got really good grades, very, very, way smarter than I was, than I am. And he was also kind of weird. He would wear his backpack. I don't know, sorry if you guys do this. Sorry, I'm not trying to put you out there. But he would wear his backpack on the bus or in the car and keep it on him because he was just, I think, kind of possessive or that. He didn't want his back touching other parts of the bus or other parts of the car. He didn't want to get it dirty. And so I remember one time, what I did was, I was sitting behind him, I, I carefully unzipped his backpack where, you know, he had his papers and everything. And it was winter, so there was snow out. And so when he gets out of the car, this wind gust just happened. I mean, it was like Jesus, right? He heard me. 
or the devil, I don't know. But, but this wind gust comes and blows all of his papers, all of his assignments, you know, onto the ground, and they're all getting wet. And he's freaking out, and I'm just laughing. I'm like, ha, ha, I finally got you back. Uh, of course, he beat me up after that. But, you know, it was, it was worth it. And he, he would always hurt me really, really good until one day, and this isn't really the point of anything, it's just to show you that I finally did get revenge, which don't get revenge, guys, that's not, that's not good. But I did, because I wasn't always a good person. And what I did was, because he had a longer reach than me, he was stronger than me, he was bigger than me, what I did was I threw a blanket over his face and I took a bottle, like a, one of those hard plastic Coke bottles, and it just started going like this, like, like crazy. And, and, then, and he's like, oh, my eye, my eye, oh, you got me. And, and, and then I was like, oh, man, like, are you, like, dude, are you really okay? And part of me was like, man, I got him. And that was actually one of the last times that we fought. Um, not that it was the start of our friendship per se, but maybe it was the last time he was really my enemy. So where am I going with this? John 13, verse 34. Today's actually his birthday. So what a way to celebrate him just by putting him out there like that. John 13, 34. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Let's break this verse down just a little bit here. Okay, a new command. So at this point, this is just about a day before Jesus is about to take the cross, which means he's gone about three years, some say three and a half years, into his ministry on earth. So for three and a half years, he's been walking with his disciples. He's been teaching them. They, they saw everything that he did. They saw the way that he loved people. They saw the way that he had compassion on children, letting little children come to him when, when others wanted the children to go away. They saw how he would reach out to those who were in distress, the, the, the prostitute, those who were rejected. Jesus would reach out to them. He would show them love. He would show them compassion. And then yet, three and a half years in, before he's about to take the cross, he says, a new command. What does that mean? That means this is different, right? New is the opposite of old, okay? This is something new that I want you guys to understand. Love one another. And if the verse ended there, you could probably just say, well, okay, that makes sense. We saw everything you did, so we get it. But he says here, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, on its own, okay, this verse on, on its own could stand, right? Meaning, if all you had was this verse, you could do a whole sermon on it, you could live your life off of it, you could eat off of it, like it's good. But in context, you get even more out of it. And in context, we're going to read John chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, and then 12 to 14. So when he says, as I have loved you, He's specifically talking about verses 1 through 5 here, and then 12 to 14. In verse 1, it says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Verse 12, 
When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. And so the significance here is that Jesus, their teacher, their mentor, their Lord, the very Son of God, you can't get any higher than Jesus, brings himself to the lowliest place. See, in those days, feet were really, like feet are dirty now, don't get me wrong, but feet were really dirty back in those days because you would travel, you would walk, right? You didn't have cars and you didn't have shoes. So your feet would get really, really dirty. And when you would go into a house before a meal, it was customary that you would wash your feet or you would have your feet washed for you by a servant. But that responsibility of having your feet washed or of someone washing someone else's feet was reserved for a servant. So Jesus is saying, listen, I'm your Lord. I'm your master. I created you. I loved you. I I taught you out of the scriptures. I taught you my very father's heart. But I want you to understand this one thing before I leave, right? The timing here. Before I leave, I want you to understand. You've got to learn how to be a servant. Now, what does that have to do with our enemies? The crazy part, I think, the, the part of this story that I find most interesting is that amongst this 12, amongst this group of disciples, you know, we know Peter, we know John. And I think for most of us, we would say, yeah, I'll, I'll wash Peter's feet. Peter's a good guy. John's a good guy. But in that group was Judas. Think about that. Have you ever been betrayed before? Maybe by a parent, step-parent, sibling, best friend, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, co-worker. Someone ever hurt you deeply? Because that's what Judas did when he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus, knowing full well what Judas was up to, picture this, right? The Bible says that that Jesus, before he took the cross, he was sorrowful to the point of death that his sweat became like drops of blood. Can you imagine having the weight of the world on your shoulders like that? I, I really can't. I know what it's like to have the weight of my own sin on my shoulders, to have to look myself in the mirror and be like, oh man, like you really did that? I don't know what it's like to have the weight of all of our sins past, present, future on us, right, or on me. And then at that very moment, knowing that, okay, here's the guy that betrayed me. Here's the guy that, that basically, essentially, sold me out and is going to put me on the cross. And then for Jesus to say, you know, but I'm going I'm to come down here, Judas. I want to show you something. I want to love you. I'm going to take your shoes off. I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to put myself out there, right? The Bible says that he took off his outer garment. And to me, that, that, that symbolizes that there's, there's a level, a level of, of being vulnerable, right? When you put yourself out there, when you try to serve someone, especially someone that, that you know doesn't like you or, or you know you don't like. Maybe it goes both ways. 
and you put yourself out there to serve them. The humility of Jesus to do what he did, knowing full well he could have stopped everything, knowing full well I'm the son of God, I don't have to do this, but I wanna do this. And I wanna show the other disciples, hey, this is the new thing that I need you guys to do, right? Before I leave this earth, I want you guys to take a look at how I love the people who wanna cause me harm. In the, the toughest moments where, and I get it because we all go through, through things, right? In the moments where we get caught up with our own issues, when we get caught up with our own situations, those are legitimate. I'm not trying to discredit any of that. But I'm saying in those moments, when you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders, is the Holy Spirit leading you to serve someone? Is the Holy Spirit leading you to be a blessing to someone? I believe he is. The question really is, do you hear him? And probably the bigger question is, will you obey? So what does this look like? I love visual illustrations. I love when preachers come on stage and they got props or whatnot. Or, but guys, I'm, I'm not going to bring you up. I'm not going to, I don't trust that. Listen, this is a pandemic, all right? I ain't bringing anyone near within six feet of me, and I for sure am not taking your shoes off to smell that mask on. I mean, you could put a hazmat suit on me, and I'm still, mm -mm, no, 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 that's not for me, all right? The feet, feet, are not, feet are not my thing. You know, a couple days ago, I ate chicken feet. I'll eat chicken feet. I'm not going to touch your feet, all right? That is gross. So I, I don't have that visual for you. But here's a question. Should we literally wash the feet? Over enemies. So someone gets in your face, right? And oh man, like I'm, it's about to go down. What are you gonna do about it? Man, bro, take off your shoes. I'm gonna wash your feet, bro. Come on now. I'm gonna wash. First, first of all, that just sounds so crazy. I mean, you, they might walk away so you won't get beat up. So that, that might work, I guess. You could, if you try it, let me know how that works for you. No, no, don't literally try to wash someone's feet especially if they don't want you to wash their feet, you will get arrested. You will go to jail. I will not be held responsible. The views and opinions of this, okay, I'm not going to go there. But look at Luke chapter 6, verse 27, 28. This is what Jesus says. He says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. And again, if we stop here, that, that just, that's so general, I feel like. Okay, I love them. We say that, right? We say, oh, I love them. I don't like them, but I love them. As if God would ever say that, oh, yeah, you know, I like you, Sal, or I love you, Sal, I don't like you. Like, that wouldn't be cool. But he goes further, right? Next level. Jesus says, do good to those who hate you. So what does that look like? What does it mean to do good to someone who hates you? What does it mean? Verse 28, bless those who curse you. So someone cusses you out. And you're like, man, like, God bless you, man. God loves you. Could you respond that way? That's what Jesus is calling us to do. And then finally he says, pray for those who mistreat you. There's a lot of complaining in the church. And I'm not going to stand here and pretend like I've never complained about anyone in my life. That's not true. But before you complain about someone, pray for them. Okay. 
And I don't mean this kind of prayer where it's like, God, judge them. Yeah, you're a judge. You're a good judge. God, go get them. Steal their job. Like, no, 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 no. Okay, come on. Like, really pray for them. Be compassionate, you know. Because for some of us, doing something good, maybe that's too hard right off the bat. You're hearing this. This is something new to you. Maybe that's too hard, and that's okay. But you could pray for them. You wake up in the morning, you go to bed at night and say, you know, you know, God, there's that person at work. Man, God, they really annoy me. God, you know, my, my stepdad, God, my sister, my brother, and God, you know how I feel, but I'm just going to take a leap of faith here and, and say, God, would you, would you bless them? Uh, whatever you're, they're going through, maybe they're going through something that I'm not aware of. Would you help me to see through all the stuff on the outside? Maybe get a look at what's going on on the inside. Would you give me an opportunity to minister to them? You know, maybe there's someone in your job and they just always annoy you. I mean, we've all been there. I've probably been that person. I probably am that person. If you talk to Pastor Carl, I'm probably that person. But maybe God put you there to be the blessing for them. Maybe because there's no one else in their life that can minister to them. Maybe there's no one else in their life to be a servant to them. And God put you there. For that reason. Got another verse here, John chapter 13, 35. Worship team, if you can come up. He closes out this, this passage by saying, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There's just too much hate. And it's not even the world. You know, when I when I see what's happening in the world, when I see what's happening on Facebook and all the division and things like that. I'm, when it's the world, it doesn't surprise me because it's the world. It's when it's the church that I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like what are we doing? We're supposed to be examples. We're supposed to represent Christ. And yet we see even pastors online tearing each other. Churches going at each other, leaders going at each other. Jesus says, by this, by this kind of love, by this servanthood type of love, washing the feet of the people around you, washing the feet of your enemies, this is how they'll know that you're my disciples. This is how they'll know that you belong to me. That's okay. It's tricky. I've been there. Don't worry, it's not you. It's not you. Told you guys a couple nights ago I had chicken feet for the first time. Uh, it's really disgusting. If you guys like chicken feet, I mean, you probably like Harry Potter too, but that's fine. That's fine. Chicken feet's gross, all right? Um, but we, I was with some friends. We played volleyball, and then we went out to eat at a restaurant, and there was a guy that was with us. Most of us in the group, we knew each other, and... Um, there was one guy who was fairly new to the group. And we were just talking. We weren't doing anything crazy. We weren't, you know, I didn't stand up and say, I'm a pastor. And I didn't do that. Uh, I probably should have done that. No, that would have been weird. We just had fellowship. We just talked. We talked about life. We, we joked around. We talked about volleyball. We talked about the food. And he texted one of my friends, and I'm summarizing this, but he basically said, he said, you guys are all good people. 
I was just raised in a different setting. I'm not really used to seeing that, so it caught me off guard. Washing the feet of someone doesn't have to be this dramatic thing. It could be. It doesn't always have to be, though. Being a servant, expressing God's love to someone else doesn't have to be this, oh, God, like, what should I do? Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. Another part of it is just the way that you see people here and how they treated you, the way that Pastor Joy and the leaders here have treated you. You just do the same, right? You just follow the example. Jesus set an example, and then he said, hey, you guys, you guys saw what I did, right? You guys understand? He literally said, you guys understand what happened here? All right, I want you to go do the same. And I was so blessed to hear that, that just through kind of normal conversation, just through regular interaction, we could be a blessing to someone. We could actually not just be a blessing, but to the point where they, they felt it, where they, they knew, oh, man, something's different. Guys, if, if, if we were singing earlier, you know, set my heart. If you set your heart on Jesus, at some point, someone's got to recognize that. At some point, people in your life, whether it's your mom, your dad, your teachers, your friends, whatever, they've got to see, whoa, wait a second, something is different here. Talked a lot of trash about my brother, and the reality is that my brother, he's my best friend now. And when I was growing up, I know my mom prayed, like prayed so hard at one point, she was probably praying that we would love each other, that we would be so close. And I think it, it just got to the point where she was just thinking, God, just don't let them kill each other. Maybe they can just be cordial to each other. And really, for a large part of my life, I gave up on that relationship. My brother graduated high school. He went to college. He graduated. We always had different interests growing up. I think for the time he was 10, he he stopped playing sports, and I love sports, and he got into computers and things like that, and I just, I wasn't, that's not me. He got into Harry Potter. He literally, he actually did get into Harry Potter. And we, we just drifted. And it wasn't so much that he was my enemy, because we just didn't know each other anymore. He, he wasn't my friend. I'll tell you that. He went to the military, and he moved away. And I was really resigned to the fact that, well, he lives in another place. I'm here in Chicago. I think at the time he was in Georgia. We didn't talk much. And I just thought, hey, that, this is how it's going to be. And I was okay with that. And I don't know exactly what happened. I just know that throughout the years, we, when we did see each other, which was rare, we would bless each other. We would serve each other. Not that we, I don't know how intentional it was. And then all of a sudden, when I started having kids and, and he, he got married early this year and we started talking about life, um, we actually, we literally did bond over Call of Duty Mobile. Dr. Jack Ryan, if, you're, if you play, I'm out there. And we're really close. I talked to him today. We played Call of Duty Mobile today. Wish him happy birthday. Um, we talk a lot. We text a lot. We talk about deep things that I never thought we would ever do. And what I'm saying to you or why I'm saying that to you is because some of you guys have given up on some of these relationships in your life. You've given up on your parents. You've given up on your step-parents. You've given up on your siblings. You've given up on your best friends. Some of you, maybe leaders in here, 
Maybe, maybe you have co-leaders in here that you were close to it before and you're just, now you're not and you're just, you just think, well, that's, that's what it is. And, and I want to challenge you guys tonight. Maybe you have a Judas in your life who betrayed you, who really hurt you deeply. Or maybe you don't, but there's someone where you just know our relationship is just not right. And I want to challenge you guys. How can you serve them? And so, for those of you who are watching online, I'm going to ask these two questions. I'm going to ask it to you guys as well. And after I ask the questions, for those of you who are watching online, we're going to let you guys go. For those of you in the room, as the worship team plays, I want to give you guys some time tonight to really think about these questions. First question is this. Who's the Judas in your life? Who's that person in your life? That as I've been speaking to you, as you've read these words that Jesus said shortly before he took the cross, you know there's someone that you stopped serving or you know there's someone that God is calling you to serve. God is telling you, hey, you know, why don't you take a page out of my book and bring yourself to the lowest place to be a servant. Leaders, you're not just called to serve the students you like, right? The first question, who's the Judas? Number two, second question is this. What does it look like to wash their feet? Is it praying for them? Is it buying them a meal? Helping them with a financial need? Writing an encouraging note or a text? Maybe someone in your family and you just got to say, you know, mom, tonight I'm going to take your dish. I'm going to wash your dish for you. I'm going to vacuum your room. So we're going to take just a few minutes here. This is between you and God. I want to encourage you guys, if you have a, a notepad, if you have a phone, really take this time. Ask the Lord. Write down the name, maybe even names, of that person or people. And then two, write down actual things that you can do. Because it's so easy to say, yeah, you know, here it is. I know in my head, and this is what I'm going to do in my head, and then you don't actually do it. And so I want you to write down the name of that person. I want you to write down things that you can do. And then even a third thing, I want you to share that with someone, maybe a leader, maybe a friend, and say, I want you to hold me accountable because this is the person that I want to reach. This is the person that I really feel God is telling me. Go low, wash their feet. So as they play, just a couple minutes, think about that, pray about that, and then make those notes down, then we'll close in prayer.